Well, I tell you, we're, we're on a study and, and the title of this message is called um, Impartial Faith. Now, we, we are living in, in a times that this impartiality is being shown in such um, dramatic and horrifying ways. But, but I, want, I want us to get in the Word right away, and it's in James 2, verses 1 through 13. Um, would you read along with me? I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it reads this way. My brethren, and I love that, my brethren. He's not saying you church people. He says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings. Now remember that, because I'm going to talk about these gold rings. And fine apparel. And there shall also come in a poor man in filthy clothing. And you pay attention to the one that is wearing the fine clothes and says to him, and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you sit there, or listen to this, sit here at my footstool. Sit, sit on the floor, if you would. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen. Now, this is amazing. Listen, my beloved brethren. Now it's not just brethren. My beloved brethren. He's speaking with a tender heart, with compassion and with mercy, because he says something is going on in your midst that is dangerous. And I love you so much that he literally called them my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Do not the rich oppose you and drag you in the court, into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called Christian? He's implying. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. You do well in doing this. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. Hmm. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble upon one part, he's guilty of all. He who said, do not commit adultery, and also said, do not murder. I find that intriguing. He says, boy, he's getting too extreme. But I want you to understand something, my friend. It's not only the physical murder, but by the words in which we could spew out, and especially the words that we spew out when we feel it's safe on the Internet, is that we can ruin someone's, well, murder someone's character. For... Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. 
So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Pay attention to that. I will speak towards that. For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. There was a survey, well, a study made a while back where they placed a very attractive young woman to go into a pharmacy to ask for something. She went to the pharmaceutical uh, desk there and, and she looked at the gentleman who was behind it and, and he turned and he noticed how young and attractive it was. He left his post, came out around to speak to her. She told him what she needed and then he not only just pointed the way, he walked her to that place. Then he says, is there anything else that I could help you with? And she said no, and she went on her way, and he went back to his job. That same woman, when she left, went to a trailer where they put makeup on her to make her look old and poor. Then, then they put on raggedy, dirty clothes, and a wig to make her look old. And then she went back in. She approached the same person who barely would give her any attention at all. Finally, when she got his attention, she asked for the very same thing, and he just says, oh, it's over there, and left it to that. Did not help her whatsoever. I find it interesting how that same person was treated by the very nature of their appearance. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about a hotbed of an issue that is present in our world today. It's so real. And it's dealing with impartial faith. So the very first thing James teaches us is keep your faith impartial. You hear that? Keep your faith impartial. This really is a hot issue today. And, and you know that we have even made anti-discrimination laws to be able to protect people from being treated partially. And yet I find that even in those laws, the behavior of people doesn't really change because you don't change the behavior of a person by a law, you change the behavior of a person by changing their heart. And I love God's word when he, he tells us this, this truth, something that is so real and so, um, so present in our society in 2020, and yet several thousand years ago, he's given us instruction how to deal with this very issue. So, keep your faith impartial. So, what does that mean? Well, secondly, it means don't base your value judgments on appearance. <laughs> As that illustration I gave you of the woman in a pharmacy, you know, sometimes we judge people how they look, how they talk, how they dress, how much money they have, maybe the type of car in which they drive, the home in which they live in, and there's a whole range of issues, including the color of their skin. Did you hear that? 
including the color of their skin. These things are external, and they are not important to God. We judge people based so often on how they look and their appearance. Uh, you know, may, maybe sometimes some people have judged someone according to their race or, or maybe according to their education. That they, they didn't graduate from school. Do, do you know that, that there was this man that when he got married, he could not read. Got married as an adult and could not read. His wife taught him how to read by using the Word of God. When he learned how to read, he read nothing but the Word of God. He dropped out of school when he was in eighth grade. I don't know how he even got that far, not knowing how to read. They just passed them to get rid of them. And that this, this man was so powerful in the kingdom of God that when he prayed for people, not only were they healed, but when he prayed for the dead, they rose up. Several times this happened. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. I wonder how the academia world would have treated him this very day. Or maybe it's just the way a particular group of people, how they talk. Sadly, I really think it's really not that hard to be prejudiced. It's very easily done. In, in, in the scripture, there was a, a prophet named Samuel, and, and he went to a home of a man named Jesse. God directed him there to pick the next king of Israel. And so Jesse was bringing all of his boys across him, and, and one of them was really quite stunning is that the very first son, he saw that he was strong, he was impressive, he was a fine-looking man, and his name was Eliab. And Samuel looked at him, and he said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this must be the next king of Israel. He was just impressive to look upon. But God spoke to him in a very powerful words and said, the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man sees the outward appearance, but Yahweh looks at the heart. So what does God really look at? Well, the internal, not the external. He doesn't look at our, the color of our face, the clothing in which we wear, how we talk, our education, if we are rich or poor. He looks at what is in your heart. That's why James gives us that example. If a man should come to you, your assembly wearing gold rings. Why did he say that? It's not like he had multiple a ring on each finger. He had six rings on each finger. That would get heavy to, to wear. And this man, his clothing literally was a shining garment. This was one classy dude. And he arrived here. And when he arrived, there was, right before him, there was this dirty, smelly, poor man who had nothing to offer sitting there. And they literally told him, move away, find another seat. No, just sit on the floor at my feet. Wow. No, that is just pure wrong. 
And, you know, I, I read of a, a, a ophthalmologist, and he had this shop inside a mall, and, and he had a poster right in the window where, where people would go in and they would get their eyes checked and then they would offer them the type of glasses they need immediately. And th there was a sign that said 77% of people believe that glasses make you look professional. <laughs> I even heard some people wear glasses who don't need glasses, it's just clear lens because it makes them look smarter. Can you believe that? You see, I, I want you to understand, and it's so vitally important in these days because God has placed us as a church to be here as an example. And church is a class-free zone. There's no place for partiality here. We don't believe in different classes or the type of people who may attend. attend. There is that acceptable, acceptable, unconditional love of which we want to portray. I have right here in front of me these two fish. You may be wondering what they are. It's not like, you know, during this pandemic I'm going to go fishing somewhere because that would never cross my mind because I'm not the fishing type. It would drive me nuts sitting there waiting for something I can't see to bite on a hook that I hope is in the right place. I would get a book and I would read and the fish would eat, eat everything and go away and I wouldn't care along with my, my bait and fishing rod and everything else. But there's fish in there because, well, we found them as we were cleaning the church. And, and on the bottom of them is a name. The name is Mark Blankenship. Wow, August 13, 2000. Hmm. 20 years ago. Mark was a homeless man who used to come into the church late every, every Sunday morning, and he would sit right back in a corner over there. It was always intriguing to me because when he would come in late, he would sit, and I could see the people just move back. And the reason, because he just plain smelled. And, and, I, and then he would leave early, and I never got a chance to meet Mark. So what I did one time, I left this platform during my sermon. Mark was sitting there. I walked down to him, and I introduced myself to him. I says, hello, my name is Tom, and what is yours? And he says, it's Mark. And, and I turned, and I looked at this congregation and said, folks, I want you to meet my new friend. Mark, and I want you to welcome him with open arms. Mark came often, and, and, and the problem is, is that Mark, every time he came, he would sit in the, wherever he sat in the corner over there, and, and every Monday I would have to go over there with cleaning supplies and clean the pew because it was marked because of his dirty clothes of living in the streets all the time. I would have new people who would come into the church, and I would say, how did you hear about us? He goes, oh, down here in the corner at McDonald's, there was this homeless man, and he would tell us about this church that has loved him and accepted him so much, and that they should go to that. And, and Mark was, was this, um, well, homeless, dirty, addicted, alcoholic man 
who would tell people to come to our church. And I thought, oh, do I want Mark to be my voice to people? And yet people would come because they heard what, how we treated Mark. I keep that in my office to remind myself of how I am to treat people. When Mark died, there was, well, he had very little family, just a few. They were poor, and the church did his funeral. And, and it wasn't packed, but there was quite a few people that came who heard from the community because they all heard how Mark spoke about the church. Hmm. He was my disciple. Here's the thing is that if we want to be like Jesus, we got to see as God sees people. Not the exterior, the interior. Ephesians 2.14 says this, is for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Or Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave or free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ. The barriers have been broken down. And let me talk to you about impartiality reflects God's nature. For Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods. Now, God capital, God's Small letter. The Lord of Lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. God shows no partiality at all. And, and, and you can't impress him. Look what I have done. I often love to use the illustration of the people who built the, the um, Golden Gate Bridge and it's how beautiful, massive it is. It says, look what we've done for the glory of God. And God would say, that is nice, but I didn't need a bridge. I walked in the water. And I didn't want to walk on the water. I divided the waters. And people could walk on the dry land. Wow. See, he is totally impartial. Leviticus 19.15 says, you shall do no justice in judgment. You shall, be, shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Here's what this scripture is, is actually saying, is that how we treat people. We don't judge the poor because they're poor or homeless, or dirty, or old, or uneducated, or the color of their skin. We, we treat everybody the same. And when he says that how we judge with righteousness, now this is important. God has compassion on the poor, but he doesn't give them a free pass when it comes to issues of righteousness. Just because life has dealt me a raw deal. And believe me, folks, I understand that. I lived in a very poor family. 
We lived in basements of homes. We moved constantly. I thought as a kid we moved because we moved all the time. That's the way life was. Here we was always being evicted. We lived in neighborhoods that were run down and tore down. He says, but that still does not give me a free pass to sin. See, God has a different measuring stick. There was a house that was being built, and, and people walked in it, and they thought, there's something off here. And what happened, somehow, some way, that someone got into the carpenter's tools and shortened the measuring stick. So things were just off a tab, and they didn't understand until later. It's an interesting thought, though. The question is, what are we using for a right measuring stick? Are, are we using what culture is teaching us, or are we using this ancient book that is so relevant to our needs this very day, the Word of God? See, Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if I'm going to get any instruction, it's going to be from him, and it's going to be through his word. See, our, our study tells us in verse 13 that our attitudes will be judged. And that's so vitally important. And, and they're talking about the rich man and the poor man. I'm talking to you about the educated man and the uneducated man. I'm talking to you about those who have and those who have not. I'm talking to those who are homeless and those who have a mansion. I'm speaking to you, those who the color of their skin may, well, it does not matter. And, and he goes on and he teaches us there in verse 12, and he says, we shall be judged by the law of liberty. Do you know what that means? Is that that law of liberty is very simple. Is what I do in public is, is the same what I do in private. It's, it's like teaching a child that we put guidelines upon them because they're not mature enough yet to make the right decisions. But we do that. But there comes a time when we give them that liberty. And by the teaching which we've given them, we pray that they make the right decisions. Hmm. You see, what he's telling us is that that freedom we have does not give us the license to sin. I, I have often said the freedom we have in America has become our bondages. We think we have freedom to do this and that, another thing, even sin, which puts us in slavery. Liberty means that freedom to be all that I can be in Jesus Christ. Everything that I could be. So, his word is speaking to us about this partiality thing, is that we are to love people not from the external but the internal as Christ has. Even sometimes we preach as we think, wow, you know, God, we're worth doing your kingdom, we're reaching a loss. But there was a man named Jonah, 
And God wanted this amazing man to go to Nineveh in this city in which hated Jonah and his people. But God must have thought enough of Jonah to send him there because he could change the heart and the lives of those people. Jonah did not want to go. In fact, he ran the opposite way. And we know the whole story about the whole fish deal, spewing them up on the land, because there was tens of thousands of people who needed to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Wow. You see, one of our tests and the reality of our faith is how we treat other people. Can, can, I, can I ask you something? Would you pass that test? Would, would you, the way you treat people, the way you talk about people, the things that you post online, are they edifying? I love the gifts of the Spirit. Because the gifts of the Spirit are always to be used in edifying. The words of which we speak, the way that we treat people, are they edifying? And if there's ever a time, my friends, in the history of this nation, this is when the church needs to rise up. We need to read James, um, the second chapter, verses 1 through 13, to be reminded that we as a body of Christ need to be that shining example of our acceptance of people, no matter who they are, where they come from, what they have or what they don't have, is that we show that love of Christ because... We reflect that image of God upon them. So let's be those people of faith, that impartial faith, accepting, loving, forgiving, embracing, speaking into whosoever. <laughs>